Yo, what's good, man? What's going on? How you doing? It's your boy, and this is Can We Keep It Real? But we always keeping it real, keeping it authentic, and keeping it a hundred, yo. What's going on out there in the streets? I hope everyone's being safe. Stay tuned for the segment to come, yo. What do you want to talk about? Hit me up. It's your boy, Can We Keep It Real? Yo, we out. Hey, welcome back to another segment of Can We Keep It Real? Looking into some Rhode Island news, see what's really going on. Looks like Rhode Island Hospital Nurses, Hasbro Children's Hospital Nurses, they're about to strike this morning. Um, So the strike is supposedly, it's on for weeks. Lifespan has been making plans on how the hospital is going to keep up and running with the 2,400 Nurses, union employees, they're going to walk off the job at 3 p.m. Monday. So let's see if a deal gets done today. I think because of health care and it's a children's hospital, I think we might see a deal get put together today. But we'll have to see right now while I'm recording this. It's only 7.07 a.m., so it's still early. But after months of negotiations between the nurses union, United Nurses, Allied Professionals and Lifespan, which operates Rhode Island Hospital and Hasbro Children's Hospital, talks hit a friggin' wall, and the UNAP-represented employees are set to strike. It's very sad that this really has to happen, said one nurse who's a cardiologist at ICU. There's so many nurses that are prepared to walk off the job fighting for things like what they're calling equitable pay increase, better staffing, they want better on-the-job resources. The nurses there, they're feeling very devalued. They can't deliver the type of nursing care or be the nurse that they want to be because they're too busy doing other people's jobs. But some hospital leaders are saying that the negotiations have really been largely focused on money. The topic of the job resources, staffing, were never brought to the table during the original negotiation process, a hospital spokesman, Christina O'Reilly, said. Lifespan has brought in temporary nurses and other employees to work during the work stoppage. Due to schedule and part-time as though it will not be a one-for-one replacement. In part of state released, um, the hospital spokesman said, as the state's only level one trauma center, our doors will remain open as always to trauma patients and those in need of critical services that only Rhode Island Hospital can provide. The statement continues to go on to explain that there's changes in place due to the impending strike. The emergency department is on division, diversion, I'm sorry. The State Department of Health has told EMS providers to bring stroke patients to the closest primary stroke center at other hospitals, all elective services, and any non-urgent diagnostic tested has been rescheduled for the duration of the week stoppage. So if you have an appointment at Rhode Island Hospital, reschedule it. It's going to be a crazy day there today, but the nurses and other union workers will be back to work Friday afternoon, it looks like. According to the spokesman, the federal mediator has ordered hospital and union leaderships 
to be back at the negotiating tables soon. So we'll see what happens over there at Rhode Island Hospital, Hasbro Children's Hospital. I mean, they need them doors need to be open. It's very important to have the best care at hospitals. You know, you don't want someone someone's life to end because of this. But it's tough for nurses to do their job when administrative and people dealing with the bottom line. Because you know what I always say: if it don't make money, it don't make sense. Nurses have a hard job to do. I actually know one that resigned from being a nurse because. Spiritually and ethically, she wasn't happy with what was going on, man. But we're going to have to keep a close eye at Rhode Island Hospital and Hasbro Children's Hospital and the Lifespan facility. So if you have an appointment through Lifespan or Rhode Island Hospital, schedule it until pretty much the end of this work week. And um, we'll see what goes from there, man. But we'll be right back with more news. Yo, stick around, more to come, you're listening to Can We Keep It Real, available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network, and platforms available worldwide. Yo, what's going on, man? Stay dry, but welcome to another edition. Today is Monday, July 23rd, man. How you doing right now in Rhode Island? It's 73 degrees, but I don't know when you'll be listening to this, whether it's good morning, good evening, good night, but... Whatever it is, man, be safe. God bless, man, and, uh, you know, be careful out there. But if you're heading out to any of the Rhode Island beaches, the Department of Rhode Island Environmental Management has ordered three beaches closed immediately due to dangerous surf conditions. People are being advised to stay out of the water at East State Beach, Mesquamic Estate Beach, and Charlestown Breachway. That Charlestown Breachway is always treacherous. The department posted an advisory on its official Twitter um, last night. They said the storm generated riptides and swells between 4 and 6 feet have made even knee-deep water very, very dangerous. So be very careful if you're going out into the water. The high tide also contributed to this decision. Uh, the DEM says the beaches are expected to reopen um, probably later after the storm breaks. So be very safe out there and uh, keep an eye for friggin' riptides. And it looks like over in Cranston, Rhode Island, the police are investigating a disturbance that began inside a local bar and then continued inside the parking lot of a neighboring business. Police said they were called to blow Hooker Lounge on Park Ave around 1 a.m. for an altercation that involved people who had just left the establishment. When police arrived on the scene, they found three people who had non-life-threatening stab wounds and three other people had been struck by a vehicle in the parking lot of Nandalil's funeral home. A total of four people, three who were stabbed, and one was struck by a vehicle were all taken to Rhode Island Hospital for their injuries. A fourth who was stabbed was taken by an acquaintance to Roger Williams Medical Center before officers arrived on the scene. Police were also told at the scene that someone may have fired a gun during the problem. However, police weren't able to confirm that. The driver, uh, who was alleged to have initially struck three people with his vehicle, was arrested at the scene 
after his vehicle became disabled in bushes on a funeral home property. He was identified as Michael Nolte, 32 years old, of Providence, Rhode Island, and he's also one of the people who was stabbed at the scene. Noth was returned to the Cranston Police Department after being treated at the hospital and arraigned by the Justice of the Peace on a charge of assault with a dangerous weapon, and he was released on 4,000 surety bail. Catherine De La Rosa, 23, at Cranston, was also summoned to appear on a charge of obstruction of justice, and investigators think the incident began when a man inappropriately touched a woman inside the bar. And uh, people's friends, you know, they pretty much got into a big friggin' brawl for it all. You know, if you're going to put a, a beef, man, check out Jared Tillenhouse's brawl for it all. That's where you bring your problems into the ring, man. Jared's doing a real good thing over there. But um, stay tuned for more Rhode Island news. Up next, a man arrested for hitting his ex's car. We'll be right back with more. It's your boy Mikey, man. Some of these guys out here, man, they just, they be acting too friggin' funny, man. Coventry police arrested a man who they say initially slammed his car in the back of his ex-girlfriend's vehicle. Police were called to Old North Road around 10.30 p.m. Thursday evening for a report of a motor vehicle accident. When the police arrived, they determined the operator, 24-year-old Jeffrey Warburton, initially, initially, intentionally hit the woman's car. Both Warburton and the woman's were both injured as a result of the crash, but police said they were treated and later released at the hospital with minor injuries. Warburton was arrested and arraigned on several charges, including violation of a no-contact order. Police said he was out on bail from an arrest in April. According to a police report, Warburton was charged with domestic strangulation, and other crimes committed against the same victim. While Burton was ordered held as a bail violator at the ACI and expected back in court later this month. Of course, you violate them, no contact orders, them protection orders, man. You're getting locked up. You're going to jail. Yo, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Can We Keep It Real? Available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network and platforms available worldwide. Yo, what's good? Thanks for sticking around, man. There's something you need to talk about. Hit me up at CanWeKeepItReal40 at gmail.com. That's CanWeKeepItReal, one word, then the number 40, at (laughs) gmail.com. And I'll do my best to get back to you as soon as possible. Um, Somebody asked me to talk about some probation violations in Rhode Island. And I did that. I got some other stuff about how to get a, a judge off off the stand. But more news about Rhode Island Hospital. Anytime you got a kid that's maybe in the hospital like, like Hasbro, I'm sure it's got to be tough. And it's got to be even tougher and stressful when you know that, that these nurses are pretty much going to strike. What's going to happen to my child? Is there going to be other people here? You know, as... um. You know, knowing that your child is pretty much locked up in the hospital, do you support the strike? Do you have anything, you know, against the strike? I mean, do you think that that they they should strike? But I bet there's all types of different reactions in, in and around Rhode Island Hospital, Rhode Island, 
Hasbro Children's Hospital. I mean, we're hours away, you know, from nurses and technicians and therapists walking off the job at Rhode Island Hospital and Chas- Hasbro Children's Hospital. I mean, the union scheduled to go on strike today over working conditions and wages. Some has some patients concerned, but Lifespan says it's gonna. It has temporary nurses. It has medical professionals that's gonna fill in. So things should go on just like usual, you know. With except for maybe appointments and stuff will be a little crazy. So that probably will get changed. Two weeks ago, Antoinette Dow and her four-year-old daughter Phoenix are at Hasbro Children's Hospital. Poor little girl has a part in her chest, and they pretty much have to access and give her medication daily. So, of course, a parent's going to be concerned about this. The poor little girl has a rare disease that requires her to receive infusions twice a month at Hasbro Children's Hospital. Her mom said she used to, she's used to the nurses who work with them. She says she's a little nervous about being treated you know, see how the temporary nurses are going to treat them. You know, she's wondering if the change of care is going to happen. But with the temporary workers, it isn't one-on-one replacement for the 2,400 nurses. Pretty much because of scheduling and part-timers. But despite that, the hospital said that the service should go on as usual. It is going to be a chaotic week at Rhode Island Hospital, Hasbro Children's Hospital. So if you have a procedure, I would really do my due diligence to postpone it or reschedule it. Because the worst thing you want to do is go have something done and there's a nurse there that's not familiar with the practice of the hospital. And they're just there as a temporary basis but the union really previously rejected the offer by the nurses that gave pay increases ranges from six percent to almost twenty percent over a three-year contract depending on experiences its leadership has said that it's more than just money including things like staffing on-the-job resources but the hospital administration says it's only about money that's the only thing that ever was talked about But the topic of the job resources and staffing levels were never brought to the table during the negotiations, said Christina O'Reilly. But Dow, who is the patient's mom, said being in there on a regular basis, she's seen some of those issues firsthand. She's seen how the hospitals run on a daily basis. And she says she don't think it's about anything besides the fact that they want to give the best care to the patients that they're trying to do. The hospital plans to have temporary workers in until Friday at 3 p.m. That's when the original nurses and other union employees are ordered to return from the strike. They have one week to strike. It was put on by pretty much an initial arbitrator, but this is pretty much how one parent feels. They support the nurses in their strike, but is it going to be a problem I just hope there's no life-threatening situations over this five-day strike. You know, it's really sad when this stuff happens around kids, adults. It's just come to agreement, Rhode Island Hospital, Lifespan, Nurses Union, figure this out. 
and let's get some better nurses in the hospital, some more competent nurses in the hospital. CCRI is holding an event to talk about school and free tuition. Free is always good. Recruiters from the CCRI are traveling the state and answering questions about the school and its free tuition program. The Rhode Island Promise Program offers two years of free tuition at CCRI. It begins in the fall. Recruiters plan to be in Woonsocket, Pawtucket, and Providence today, and in Newport, Narragansett, and Westerly on Tuesday. Additional information can be available online. CCRI says this is the first dedicated two-day effort where recruiters are fanning out across the state. They're calling it CCRI on the road. The state budget supported the second year of the free tuition program. CCRI has campuses in Warwick, Lincoln, Providence, and Newport. About 15,000 students are enrolled in the courses for credit according to the school. And thousands more take non-credit and workforce training classes. And even through the Department of Corrections, CCRI office school. So don't use the excuse if you're in Rhode Island, I don't have no money to go to school. Because you can go to CCRI and take advantage of the free in-state tuition, man. We'll be right back as your boy. Can we keep it real with more local Rhode Island news? Yo, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Can We Keep It Real? Available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network and platforms available worldwide. Hey, welcome back to another segment, Can We Keep It Real? How you doing? Today is July 23rd. It's going to be hot, a little hazy today. Right now it's probably about 73 degrees with a story out of Warwick, Rhode Island. With a lot of digging and sifting, firefighters in Warwick were able to find one of the most treasured belongings of Barbara Carlo. Most of her home caught on fire back in May. Carlo's home on George Arden Avenue was severely damaged by fire back on May 6th. The fire not only destroyed the building itself, but it also destroyed almost everything that the Carlo family had owned. Barbara was able to get out safely along with her son, Randy, who lived with her. Fire officials said that uh, the fire was caused by a power strip that sparked. So be careful with them power, power strips. Bob Carlo, Bob's other son, is a Coventry firefighter and her husband, Everett, was the fire captain in Warwick for 35 years. With the Carlos having a strong connection to the firefighter community, Bob said the Warwick firefighters who fought the flames months ago decided to help Barbara clear debris and find her belongings in the soot and the ashes. They actually, the firemen actually had a couple guys that worked with Bob's dad. They came out, they helped. Uh, The Warwick Fire Union President, Mike Ciaro, they volunteered their, their time. It was very nice to come together for someone of the community. And I hope they would do it for anyone else, you know, that had this situation. Not that, because she was connected to the fire department. That's what we are supposed to do as a community. That's why we're here for each other as a community. We need to help each other. We need to help people. 
the son of Barbara was saying that his mom was so upset because she lost her wedding ring in the fire. She just was like, since the fire happened, she was just totally off, just not right. So it's glad that the firefighter show, showed up to um, to help search, you know. But right before the firefighter showed up, Bob said he found the wedding ring, but the firefighter still volunteered their time to search through the house with the debris and the ashes, and they found several other of Miss Barbara's lost items. It's like finding a needle in the haystack. They were fortunate to find the wedding ring. They were very lucky. They didn't even think they would have a chance to find it. Among the items firefighters found was a plaque specially made for Bob's father, and Bob said savaging those memories makes it a little easier after seeing his childhood home go up in flames. They can just replace everything, but we can't replace each other. And I'm glad we're happy, and I'm glad my mom is safe now. Bob also said he plans to have the home demolished soon so his mom can have a new home built on the same property. But inside is still one more piece of jewelry that Barbara is searching for, which is a necklace with the names of her grandchildren on it. I was out riding Friday evening, and I think I might have drove by four, at least four motorcycle roadside memorials. Like, that is, like, ridiculous. And now Cumberland, Rhode Island, Cumberland police are investigating Another late-night motorcycle crash. Police were called the Menden Road near the high school for a report of an accident last night. When they arrived, they found that a motorcycle went off the road and crashed. The victim, only identified as a man, was taken to Rhode Island Hospital. Right now, his conditions are not really known, and the accident is still under investigation. He looks like a man. That reminds me of, uh, what was it, Mad TV, Miss, Miss Chung, Miss Chan. He looked like a man. He looked like a man. But we'll have to um, be careful on these motorcycles, man. They're, they're very dangerous, man. And if you really don't have no motorcycle experience, learn to ride one before you. These things are like people in with electronic devices the way they are. And even though that the state just raised the... The law that you can't text and use the phone anymore. I don't think that's going to stop anybody. There's where this nation's probably suffering the worst cases of distracted driving ever since automobiles have been put on the road. But it's your boy, man. Stay tuned for another segment as we're looking into more Rhode Island news, man. It's your boy, Mikey, and I'll be right back. Yo, stick around, more to come, you're listening to Can We Keep It Real, available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network, and platforms available worldwide. Well, the Seekonks Chicken Filet gave a drive through a new meaning. Someone crashed into a Chicken Filet restaurant Friday around 1.30pm on Highland Avenue. The car had crashed into the side of the restaurant near the front entrance. It's unclear at this time if there were any injuries or what caused the crash, but manager of the Seekonks, Chick-fil-A, Jonas Williams, said the majority of the damage caused by the crash was to the outside of the building. 
We are thankful that everyone was safe and we will continue to be open for business as repairs are completed in the next week or so. We appreciate the speed and attractiveness of all the first responders from the town of Seekonk. Hopefully everybody made it out alright, but somebody wasn't paying attention. That's a pretty small parking lot and the crash through the wall of the building. We'll see what happens over there. A Wonsocket woman accused of driving drunk with her kids in the car twice in just over a week was ordered held without bail at her arraignment on Friday. Leah Duran, 41 years old, is charged with two separate charges of driving under the influence with children in her car. The first charges stem from an incident in Lincoln and the second from an arrest Thursday in Warwick. Like, this lady didn't learn the first time driving with her kids in the car. Warwick police confirmed they took Duran into custody after she refused a breathalyzer test. Police said officers responded to calls reporting disturbance of the peace at Oakland Beach around 4 p.m. Thursday evening. They said Duran was driving her gray minivan erratically on Oakland Beach Avenue and was pulled over on West Shore Road. Police said Duran had three children in the car. Their ages were seven years old, four years old, and seven months old. Police said that the children were placed in the custody of the DCF as a result. See, this lady didn't care about anyone else but herself. State police first arrested Duran July 11th. After they said she was driving under the influence with five children in the car between seven months to ten years old at Lincolnwood State Park. During the incident, police said she was preparing to leave the park in the same minivan. And when officers confronted Duran, she allegedly backed into one of the officers' truck in an attempt to take off. That is some crazy shit. This lady, like, not only once, but twice, and now her kids are not waking up home this morning. They're waking up either in, in a shelter, they're waking up in, in a group home, they're waking up in some stranger's house. You know, she didn't care about anybody but herself. She didn't care about anyone getting drunk. And uh, if you may know this lady and, and I'm insulting you, then I don't even, I really don't care. She put these kids all in grave danger. I don't care if it was one drink, 18 drinks. You don't drink and drive. That's bad enough. Drinking and driving with other people in the car just says you have no regards to people's life. And that was your own children. So, Leah Duran, you are not keeping it real. The motive still seems unclear in a one-socket murder investigation that's over two years old, but residents can breathe a sigh of relief now that the police have two men in custody who they believe murdered an 81-year-old elderly woman back in 2016. The community was on edge for more than two years, wondering if police had made any progress in the search for Constant Gauthier's killer. At a news conference, Woonsocket Police Chief Thomas Oates said investigators were busy every day since her death. 
part of homicide investigations when they're ongoing. Their work that's constantly being done. We shifted this case around from detective to detective to put new eyes on it just to come up with some new ideas. We had numerous meetings with the FBI. State police was involved. They wanted to make sure that they were covering every single angle that could be covered. Once Oscar police went on to say they'd like to extend their condolences to the Gauthier family for their patience in this case, also to the residents of Woonsocket, the neighborhood in particular where Mrs. Gauthier lived, Mayor Lisa Bodelli Hunt. There have been some unsettled times since March of 2016, but today is a day that Woonsocket can move forward and bring closure. Gauthier was 81 years old. She was found stabbed to death inside her Phelan Ave home. Miss Gauthier was an active part of the community. Bodelli Hunt said she sat on board, she was involved, and she was very dedicated to our community. Tyler Grenning, 23, and Matthew DeSalt, 20, turned themselves in to the police station and were arraigned on murder and conspiracy charges Wednesday afternoon. Police said forensics evidence gave police what they needed to connect the two men to the killing. At this point, we don't really have an exact motive. The scene appeared to have been staged as if it was a robbery, whether it was or it wasn't. So at this point, we're not clear what any motives were. The two suspects were acquaintances, according to police, both hailing from one socket. Through Grenny moved to Attleboro shortly after Gauthier's death. Neither had an adult criminal record, which police said was unusual for murder suspects. Grenning lived next door to Gauthier at the time, and it was him who actually found her body, having looked inside her window out of concern. Police said the two appeared to have a good relationship with Gauthier, though it's to be somewhat of a surrogate grandmother to Grennan, according to the detective captain, Michael Lamoni. Grennan was arrested on non-murder charges in the days following the murder, but those charges have since been expunged from his record. Police said it was possible that Grennan was hiding in plain sight by acting as a concerned resident during the initial investigation. Detectives were confident that Grennan and Dussault are responsible for Gauthier's murder, but the investigation is still active. Forensic evidence is still being reviewed by the police in hopes of strengthening their case, and the chief said that they're asking anyone who had conversations with these two guys before the crime took place Please come forward. We can't let this fuckery go on any longer and let 81-year-old elderly residents be murdered and stabbed over 60 times. They'll be back in court on August 1st where they'll most likely be denied bail. Yo, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Can We Keep It Real? Available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network and platforms available worldwide.
Police are searching for two men who they say attempted to rob a Cranston store twice last week. Well, that's going to the well a few too many times, don't you think? The owner of Ocean State Market on Dyer Avenue said the men robbed his store at knife point on July 9th, but when they returned later in the week to rob it at gunpoint, the cashier fought off the gun, who in turn fled the scene. According to the store owner, which a name I can't even pronounce, it's not the first time someone had attempted to rob his store. Back in 2016, he chased a would-be robber out the store with a baseball bat. The store's owner said he had been targeted by robbers four times, and he's had enough. He looks like Middle Eastern descent. His name looks like Al Kafafi. Please stay away from my store, he said. I'm just trying to make a living. Now when I leave my house, my kids, I don't know if they're going to see me again. Surveillance image showed the gunman was wearing a red sweater with a bandana over his face. The second man, who the owner believes was the getaway driver, was wearing a black hat, sunglasses, and a black jacket. He was seen in surveillance video driving a blue Nissan Altima. Anyone with any information on the incident should contact Michael Gates. When you think you're having a bad day, sometimes you got to realize that some people really have it worse than others. Police found a Rhode Island man and a toddler sleeping in a New Bedford storage unit. A Cranston man was arrested Tuesday after police said he and his two-year-old daughter were found sleeping in a U-Haul storage unit in New Bedford. According to court documents, a witness found Frank Ortiz, 22, and his daughter sleeping on a mattress inside a unit at U-Haul Truck Rentals and Storage on Mount Pleasant Street. Temperatures at the time were in the mid-80s and humidity was high. Police said the witness wasn't able to wake the pair and contacted the paramedics. Lieutenant Nathaniel Rodriguez said officers arrested Ortiz after he became unruly and would not calm down. According to court records, officers had to use their taser to bring him into custody. As police were contacting DCF, they said the little girl's mother showed up at the storage facility. She told the police she had been staying at a shelter in Falmouth. The toddler was handed over to the mother when she provided identification. Ortiz is facing charges including reckless endangerment of a child under 18, resisting arrest, and disorderly conduct. He was released on $100 bail Tuesday. Then a warrant was issued for his arrest Wednesday after police said he failed to appear for his arraignment at New, Best, New Bedford District Court. Why charge him with reckless endangerment? I mean, I understand he was sleeping in a storage unit, but where else was he going to sleep? He was homeless. They were probably doing the best they can to keep their child off the streets, you know, I mean, it's not the best living facility, but here's where we go again with that friggin' pipeline I talk about, arresting people, just putting them in the system, putting kids in DCF care, instead of finding a way to help this couple with the baby, finding them
a treatment center, finding them a shelter, trying to get them on some kind of, you know, some kind of assistance, some kind of program. But what kind of life is that child going to have? Maybe it's too early to tell. We'll have to wait and see. Yo, stick around. More to come. You're listening to Can We Keep It Real? Available on Apple and iTunes and the Anchor Network and platforms available worldwide. Well, it looked like a scene from the Sons of Anarchy. Rhode Island State Police wiretapped the phones of a suspected head of a motorcycle gang that allegedly trafficked in drugs, guns, and stolen goods for over a year. According to some documents released in a case described at the state's largest takedown in state police history, the case had yielded 57 arrests so far, including that of Derek Tuna Maguire, who police said was the head of the Rhode Island chapter of the Pagans Motorcycle Club, one of the most powerful and violent outlaw motorcycle gun gangs, motorcycle gangs nationwide. The discovery is over 1,200 pages. Newly released affidavits included hundreds of pages of transcripts from phone calls that police listened to, mostly between McGuire and Kevin Conan Richer, a purported high-ranking member of the Pagans out in New Jersey. In the transcripts, which are pretty much they're laced with profanity and tons of racial slurs, Richard works with McGuire to set up the Rhode Island chapter of the Pagans. It says it's a new age, brother. It's the Pagan age, Richard says according to the transcript. Let's do it, says McGuire. I'm ready. We're ready. McGuire, I've been ready. Police write in the affidavit that McGuire was apparently defecting from another Rhode Island motorcycle club and they were worried about violent clashes between the club and the newly formed Pagans Club. The documents detail how McGuire and Richard recruited members requiring them to travel to Elizabeth, New Jersey to join the club. The members were only allowed to ride Harley-Davidson motorcycles and could not be black or too dark in skin color, according to the transcripts. McGuire opened up a clubhouse for the Pagans in one socket. In May of 2018, police conducted multiple simultaneous raids with a no-knock warrant in the middle of the night on several houses in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. They arrested dozens of biker gang members and seized drugs, guns, and stolen goods. McGuire, also known as Big Tuna, is charged with more than 220 counts related to drugs, firearms, fraud. The state police say 57 in total have been charged and police are searching for at least three more people. McGuire was held without bail back in May, but has a bail hearing scheduled for next week. 220 charges. That's a whole lot of charges, and that's just like a whole lot of creative writing. They want to make sure this guy with the Pagans isn't going nowhere, but some of the items seized 
from the raid was said to be a rocket launcher. Like, just like in SOA, Sons of Anarchy, they had somebody making their own guns that was coming from Ireland. Like, it was just like too friggin' real. And, you know, a rocket launcher they get. One of the most startling discoveries was a rocket launcher. It's like, unfriggin' believable. But the police, along with federal, local, and state authorities, they ended up arresting over 50 people, which was the largest takedown of Rhode Island history. It was a two-year-long, it was a year-long investigation into the Pagans and the Crip Men Motorcycle Gang. As state police believed that they were building, you know, they were building such a stronghold, such an organization up in the northwest Rhode Island, and they wanted to stay specifically in Woonsocket, being so close to Massachusetts. The state police said they had to use explosives and battering rams to enter the buildings and the clubhouses when they raided it. And it was in that seizure that they found the friggin' rocket launcher. They really didn't know where it came from. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms that determined it was usable, but it didn't have any ammunition. The state police said that the drugs and the weapons will be stored in an undisclosed location during the trial, and most of them would eventually be destroyed. They don't know if the rocket launcher will be one of those items to be destroyed. I don't see this guy McGuire getting out of jail anytime soon. Proceedings in district court, they must have took forever when they arraigned McGuire on 221 drug-related counts. Like in all felony matters in district court, McGuire could not enter a plea and was ordered hell without bail. One woman arrested was buying gun pieces online, legally, and making guns without serial numbers. She could make one in an hour after it was ordered. And it had dual citizenship with Northern Ireland ties. See, is anyone else thinking Sons of Anarchy similarities here? And you know, County, there'll be a lot more arrests once some of these people get talking. And over 50, 60 people, people are gonna talk. Yo, what's good? It's your boy, man. Thank you very much for sticking around, listening to another episode, man. More episodes dropping daily, man, as much as I can drop that content to you. Anything you want to talk about, let me know. Can we keep it real? 40 at gmail.com. Yo, check out Apple iTunes, man. Leave a review. It'll help me out. I appreciate it, man. But we're available on nine platforms stream worldwide. Yo, that's what the hell it's about, man. And I'm trying to drop some stuff that you want to talk about, yo. Get at me. Let me know what's good. You want to talk that shit? You want me to talk that shit? Drop that dime, yo. Keep it real. Keep it authentic. And you know, keep it motherfucking 100.